Welcome to Truth Time, where you'll get a shot of the truth with no chaser. And now your Truth Time host, Trey Searcy. to another Truth Time Transmission. I'm Trey Searcy, an ambassador of Christ, your minister of reconciliation. Get your Bible, pen and paper, and let's compare some scripture. And I want to start by saying, if you're a pastor, minister, Sunday school teacher, a Bible student, just, just a lover of God's Word who, who wants to grow in their understanding, just like I do, I invite you to meet with me over a cup of coffee and an open Bible, man to man. And if you're a female Bible student, my wife and I both would be happy to meet with you and discuss God's Word. You may have questions or would like to show me something that perhaps I've missed. Feel free to call me. It's a toll-free number we have for our listeners here at Truth Time, one 988 Nine five six two. The number should be repeated uh, later on in the program. This is an evidence-based show, and we're prepared to meet with you and back up anything said here on Truth Time Radio. D. L. Moody once said, "The best way to show that a stick is crooked is to not argue about it, but to lay a straight stick alongside of it." So we press on, stick after stick, comparing Scripture with Scripture, and rightly dividing the word of truth. This program is designed for, well, those of you who have been caught up in a web, bound down by the stranglehold of religion. Concerning salvation, religion says do, grace says done. Hey, when it comes to religion, you need to remove it all. You need to get all the religion out. Because religion and grace, Romans 11, 6, do not mix. So the question is, are you going to take it all out? Or are you going to leave a little bit behind? Are you going to leave just a little bit there? You see, if you don't remove it all, it's going to grow back and metastasize. Well, today I press forward and I'll present some things that deserve your consideration. When we think better, we do better. So let's begin to traffic in the facts rather than popular opinions. Think for yourself and abandon the groupthink mentality. And I know it's tough. I've been there. Religion is a hard habit to break. And if you're not careful, you'll be quickly drawn back into its treacherous arena. Now, last time here on TTR, we dealt out our third challenge to you Bible students. Challenge one was, can anyone show me where in Paul's letters I can find that we are to confess our sins to get them forgiven? Challenge two was, other than Paul's letters, 
Where in the Bible can I find anything about the rapture? And on our last program, we presented challenge number three. Challenge three was, please tell me where I can find Paul in his gospel mentioning Mary of Bethany for a memorial of her. Christ gave a command to the twelve disciples. He told them that wheresoever their gospel shall be preached, that they also tell what Mary had done. Why? For a memorial of her. It wasn't a suggestion. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't optional. It was a command. However, Paul never, are you hearing this? He never mentions anything about this account. Not once in any of his epistles. So did he disobey God? No, he did not. In Galatians 1.11, Paul said Jesus was his teacher. In 1 Corinthians 14.37, he said, and this is a quote, okay? This isn't something Truth Time Radio started. This is not from a book. This is from the book. Read it yourself. Paul said, quote, The things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So what say you? Did Christ forget to tell Paul that, uh, hey, Paul, you need to mention Mary? Or did Paul just forget to write it down? Or is there something else to this? I submit there is something else, and it's called rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, according to Ephesians 1.13, listen, Bible students, according to Ephesians 1.13, the word of truth is the gospel that saves a lost soul. And Paul was given a different gospel. Jesus gave him a different gospel to save souls today. You need to get this. The gospel he gave Paul on this side of the cross after Calvary is different than the gospel he gave on the other side of the cross to the twelve before Calvary. And in the gospel he gave Paul on this side of the cross, there is no mention of the account of Mary and her alabaster box, a command that was given to the twelve prior to the cross. They had to mention it wheresoever their gospel was preached. Come on, let's dig in, because today many are barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to be your steadfast truth advocate and to do my very best to change that. Turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here we'll see some wonderful words from our Apostle Paul. Verse 3. Listen to the book. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Verse 4. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now here's a question, a good one. Did Peter preach the death, burial, and resurrection? Yes, he did. Paul himself said he did. 1 Corinthians 15.11 Paul talking here about Peter and the rest of the twelve. He said, Therefore, whether it were I or they, that's Peter and the twelve, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now some of you will take this and use it, saying, See, Peter preached the same gospel as Paul. Well, Peter did preach about the cross. He preached about the death and resurrection. But the better question is, did Peter preach the same thing about the cross? Did he preach the same gospel about it that Paul did? 
Did Peter and the Twelve preach that the results of the cross were the same for national Israel as what Paul says they are for us? Let's find out. In the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 30, Peter says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, there's the resurrection, whom you slew, there's the death, and hanged on a tree, there's the cross. So in Acts chapter 5, verse 30, Peter mentions the death, the cross, and the resurrection in just one verse. Next verse, verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And there's Peter mentioning the forgiveness of sins. This verse clearly equals Paul's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, Christ's death for sins. The difference is that Peter is talking to Israel about the forgiveness of their past sins. Future sins, Acts 3.21, will be blotted out at the Lord's return. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter addressing the circumcision, he's given them some great advice, advice about having temperance, patience, brotherly kindness, and charity. And then he gets to verse 9, and, and listen to what he says. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his... Oh, now this is important. Listen closely. Purged from his old sins. Purged from his old sins. Now to those who say Peter and the twelve preach the same gospel as Paul, this presents a problem. All who say... Jesus didn't give Paul any new information. Oh, yes, he did. Peter preached forgiveness of sins, and Paul preached forgiveness of sins. But they did not preach the same thing about being forgiven. Peter is clearly talking about being forgiven for past sins. While our apostle Paul, the second Timothy 1.11, preacher, teacher, and apostle of the Gentiles, tells us, tells us that all, all, all our sins have been forgiven. You see, some can read verse 3 and see past sins. Why? Because they're reading through Petrine lenses, the lenses of Peter. But when this verse is read through Paul's magnifying glass, it clearly says all sins. Listen to Paul in Colossians 2.13. This is what Jesus told him to tell us. If you'll abandon your preconceived prejudice, I think you can get this. Paul said, God hath quickened. Made alive. God has made us alive and has forgiven us all trespasses. Praise God. Is this getting any clearer? Peter, when addressing Israel, said, said they have been purged of their old sins. But in contrast, look at the dichotomy. Paul, when addressing us, the body of Christ church says, you've been made alive and forgiven of all sins. All sins, not old sins, old, O-L-D, all, A-L-L, spelled different because they are different. Listen, one plus one always equals two, and when the scriptures are compared, the truth always prevails. Now, for more proof, listen, listen, Truth Time Bible students, for more evidence, hey, that's what we here at TTR deal with, facts, evidence, accumulated data that proves what we believe. Well, here's more proof. The book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 21. Peter, again, addressing national Israel, says, 
Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when... Here comes a timeline, y'all. Listen. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Do you see that? Watch this. Please notice. Here we are, all the way over in the third chapter of the book of Acts. This is after, after the cross. The cross where Christ died for sins. But the results for national Israel are not the same as they are for us, as they are for the nations. Plural. Not one nation, but nations. According to Peter, the results of the cross are all sins have not been forgiven. The old sins were purged. And hey, y'all, if you'll just wait a little while for the Lord to return, we'll get the rest of them taken care of. The rest of our sins will be blotted out at his return. Watch this. He says only past sins have been forgiven, and future sins can be blotted out when Israel is back in the presence of their Messiah, their King, when he returns, when he returns to set up their earthly kingdom. Are you... Are you waiting to get your sins blotted out when the Lord returns? Is that what you've been taught? Uh Uh-huh, I know where you're coming from. Been there, done that, wore the hat, had the bumper sticker. But it's time we all wake up and leave the herd mentality. Become awake, aware, alive, and active. That's what we're here to help you do. Peter and the rest of the twelve preached about what Christ had accomplished for them through his death and resurrection. But it's not the same as what Paul says Christ accomplished for we who are his body. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, is it okay to look at some more facts? Let's do that. Check this out. Acts 2, 38, Peter says, Repent, which, by the way, means to change your mind. It does not mean, never has meant, to turn from sin. That's a lie you've heard for, well, forever, but it's time we get it right. If repent means to turn from sin, then God sinned. Exodus 32, 14 and Psalm 106, 45. But watch this. Here Peter says, Repent. Change your mind about who you killed. He is our Messiah, the Son of God. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Someone with cancer may go through what is called remission, a period of time when their health improves, and there's no sign of the cancer. However, we all know it might not be gone for good. There is a chance that the cancer could return. Same here in Acts 2. This is in perfect harmony with what we read a moment ago in Acts 3.21 and 2 Peter 1.9. Israel's full completed grace does not appear to them until the return of Christ. Peter said, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. For what, Peter? For the grace that is to be brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Regardless of what mainstream churchianity tells you, God's holy word is saying something very different. People who have failed to understand the finished cross work of Christ think that asking forgiveness will save them. Well, there are so many denominations, different doctrines and different teachings going around that it's really no surprise that people do this. But let's just think. Let's just think for a moment. What did Christ do for you on the cross? Answer, he forgave you of your sins. And what are you asking him to do? You see, if he died on the cross to forgive you of your sins, why would you ask him to forgive you of your sins? 
Hmm, maybe that's something you should think about. Because if you're trusting and you're asking, you'll remain lost. Salvation is not getting your sins forgiven. It's believing they already are. Ephesians 2.8 says, Salvation is not of yourself, and asking for forgiveness is of yourself. And if you ask for forgiveness of your sins to save you, then you're depending on salvation of yourself, because it's you doing the asking. Salvation is by faith in the finished cross work. That's what salvation is. Here's what salvation is not. It is not in you believing 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, plus you're asking for forgiveness. There is no plus. At Calvary, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. If there's no sin imputed to anyone, what sin could you possibly be asking forgiveness for? And just where is it that churchianity gets the idea that one must ask for forgiveness in order to get their sins forgiven? Well, that's found in 1 John 1.9. And on a side note, it doesn't even say to ask for forgiveness, but that's what modern-day Christendom have changed the words to say. It actually says to confess your sins. Confessing and asking are not the same. But I digress. Moving on, this is where they get it from. It's found in 1 John 1, 9. And remember, those books in the back of your Bible, Hebrews through Revelation, are the Hebrew epistles. They're written for Hebrews. They're going to need these books for the future. These books contain their tribulation doctrine that is still yet and future. We're living in the parenthetical dispensation of the grace of God. The church will be caught up, and then God will continue his program with his chosen nation, the nation Israel. But there in 1 John 1, 9, he's telling national Israel that if they confess their sins, he is faithful and just to forgive their sins. Why would he say that if he's already died on the cross for their sins? Well, let's reflect on what we read earlier. In the second epistle from the Apostle Peter to the holy, peculiar nation Israel, he writes in verse 9 that they have been purged from their old sins. Their old sins. This is why they must confess their sins. This is what the cross did for them. It purged them from their old sins. Their sins are in remission. Acts 2.38 They'll be blotted out. Their sins will be forgiven completely. When the Lord returns, Acts chapter 3, verse 21. This is clear, and you can get it. It'll just take reading and believing your Bible. Reading and believing your Bible over the man in the pulpit. Religion with its stronghold, with its stronghold stranglehold, is hard to shake. I understand. But I'm in this for the long haul, and I'll do everything I can to help you break those chains. Truth will set you free and allow you to have liberty so you can serve Christ correctly as he would have you to do. You know, not long ago, I had a bad thought about someone. But instead of asking God to forgive me, because he already did that at Calvary, I just acknowledged it. I acknowledged it for what it was. Sin. And I said, Lord, 
That's a stupid thought, a thought you already died for. Help me not to think that way. I'm better than that. And then I thought for a moment, No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not better than that. But Lord, you are. It's the you in me. The you in me is better than that. So help strengthen my inner man and help me squash that old way of thinking. Why would I ask forgiveness if Christ took the cross to die and forgive me of my sins? Why would I ask for forgiveness of my sins? Just what would that sound like? God, would you forgive me of my sins that you've already forgave? It's tradition, folks. It's tradition. This is straight-up tradition, and we need to move past tradition and into the realm of truth. It's the truth that sets you free. Not freedom to sin, but freedom to serve. Peter knew nothing of the fact that God had reconciled the world unto himself, 2 Corinthians 5.19, and no longer counting sins against us. No, Peter would have said, not counting their old sins unto them, the sins of their past. Because, see, 2 Corinthians 5.19 was a part of mystery information that only Paul received. The 1 Corinthians 15 death and resurrection was not. Peter and the Twelve knew about that. It's not part of the Ephesians 3.8 unsearchable riches that Paul received. No, 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4 can be found in Scripture. Peter and the Twelve preached the death and resurrection of 1 Corinthians 15, but they never preached it the way Paul did. They never preached it as a means to salvation. They preached the cross work, but they never preached the finished cross work. They were all addressing Israel. And they all preached a different gospel than Paul. James 1.1 tells us who James was addressing, the twelve tribes of Israel which were scattered abroad. Many people gloss right over this. These wonderful truth nuggets that will set you free and open up these scriptures for you to gain a better and deeper understanding of what God is saying and begin to wake up and pay attention to who he's speaking to. And it's no mystery who Peter wrote to. He wrote to the same twelve tribes of Israel James did. 1 Peter 1.1 is where we find the evidence. There you'll find he wrote to those who had been scattered out among the Gentiles. That's why he calls them strangers. They were strangers because they had been scattered from their homeland. Peter and the twelve all believed that Christ died for sins. They believed he was buried, and they knew he rose again the third day. But all that meant something very different to them. To Paul, his death was a glorious event to be celebrated, Galatians 6.14. To the twelve, not so much. It was a sad day, Matthew 17.22. And after Christ died, Peter preached a murder indictment to the nation Israel, Acts 3.13-15. To our apostle, the apostle Paul, his resurrection, Romans 4.25, meant justification for all who would believe on the finished crosswork of Christ. To Peter and the fellas, it meant their king had risen to Luke one thirty two sit on David's throne, which is why they were Acts one eight waiting for him to restore their kingdom on earth. 
I challenge anyone to find where Paul tells us that Jesus rose to be our king and sit on David's throne. You won't find it. No, for us, he rose to justify all who will believe Paul's gospel and rest their faith in what Jesus did on their behalf without adding self-effort to the equation. He is not presently operating as our king, but as our head. And I'm thankful for that because you can walk away from a king, but you cannot walk away from your head. He is the head of the church, which is his body. When speaking of why Jesus rose, Paul plainly said, Righteousness for us shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Amen? Jesus instructed Paul to take this gospel to the heathen, a truth found in Galatians 2. There, Paul said, James, Peter, and John all agreed that me and Barnabas should go to the heathen, and they would go to the circumcision. Paul and Barnabas went to all nations. The twelve only went to the believing remnant of Jewish believers, the Luke 12.32 little flock that are in line to receive their earthly kingdom. When Paul went to the Gentile nations, he also found unbelieving Jews. And now, their only hope for salvation is by believing Paul's gospel. Oh, these truths are so good. Discovering these wonderful riches that are only found in Paul's letters. It's like my wife's friend Bridget recently said, Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Nothing wrong with having some money, but it's even better to have spiritual wealth. You want to be rich? Stop being lazy. Be a workman. Open your Bible and study the word of truth rightly divided, and you'll soon uncover a wealth of rich information. Riches that at one time were unsearchable, Ephesians 3.8, but not anymore. They've been revealed to us through the letters of Paul. And listen, saints, be careful of who you surround yourself with. There are indeed wolves in sheep's clothing. And hey, they're creeping around in many body of Christ circles. Those who troll around trying to steal your joy. When you're active and actively doing something, there'll always be those who will support and celebrate you, but there'll also be those who can barely tolerate you. But don't get discouraged. If you don't have haters, chances are you're not doing anything. Paul says to cut them off. My wife and I saw something the other day that <laughs> reminded us of these kind of people. A sign that said, If I cut you off, chances are you gave me the scissors. And Paul is clear about this. He tells us to mark and avoid them. They're divisive, causing division everywhere they go and some will travel hundreds of miles to do it. They're miserable in their own life, and they can't stand seeing others who are not. They've been causing division for so long, they've become professionals, leaving a long trail of division everywhere they go. They wear a false face while interacting with others. And one thing you'll notice about this type of person is their transparent narcissism. They love to speak about themselves. They can't help it. They're stuck in the mud, spinning their wheels, and they want others to come down and hang out in the ditch with them. And some are just ignorant enough to do so. But their transparency allows most 
to see right through them. Be discerning. Be awake, aware, alive, and active. Learn to live under the spout where grace is being poured out. Live according to the dispensation of the grace of God. This is one of the most beautiful things you will ever discover. Today's gospel centers around the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He died for all our sins, not just the old. Our sins are not in remission. We're not Acts 3.21, waiting to have them blotted out when He returns. No, He died for them all, rose the third day, for the justification of all who by faith stand with God in agreement, believing that the cross work of Christ is enough. TruthTimeRadio.com is the website. The toll-free number, one 888 Don't forget our challenges. We endeavor to get you into this book, into God's Word, where you can discover these truths on your own. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Remember, you only get two educations, the one you're given and the one you give yourself. I've been searching for answers most all my life. This has been Truth Time with Trey Searcy. Visit our website at truthtimeradio.com. Until next time, remember, when a man who is honestly mistaken hears the truth, he will either quit being mistaken or cease to be honest. (laughs) 